0: Their uh, time during our message this morning So all children that would like to go Are invited to do so If you have your Bibles this morning And I hope that you do Turn with me to the book of Philippians And uh, Philippians chapter 3 Paul is writing to the church at Philippi And as he writes to the church at Philippi, there are some struggles and issues that are taking place. And he is returning a message to them in regards to those things to encourage them until he can return to them again himself. And so we're coming to the close of it because he says this in chapter 3 and verse 1, Finally, Now, it's like most preachers, finally doesn't mean it's over, but it's getting close, right? Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble to me, and it is a safeguard for you. Beware of the dogs, be aware of the evil workers, be aware of the false circumcision. For we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and the glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Now we're going to read a little bit further in just a moment, but I want us to stop right there this morning and, and introduce the message today. The title of the message is Holding to the Gospel. Holding to the Gospel. The Gospel is the foundation of the Christian faith. The good news of Jesus. His perfect and sinless life. His death, burial, and resurrection. The gospel message is the beginning and the base of our story and our journey of faith. Without the gospel, we have no hope. Listen, in Acts chapter 4. You can turn there if you'd like, or you can just listen along. Acts chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Listen to what God's Word says. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And, excuse me, there is salvation in no one else. Do you hear that statement? There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. He said the gospel message of Jesus is the foundation of everything that we have and everything that we are as Christians and in our journey of faith. And without it, there is no hope without the gospel message Of Jesus Christ. I think we often forget this truth. And we are quick to begin to create our own method or our own message or means of salvation. And we begin to think things personally and we even begin to to communicate things publicly to others. That it might have something to do with our behavior. It might have something to do with our effort or, or, or what we deserve or what we can earn or how much we can do. Our own gospel story, we begin to modify if you can or would to make it more fitting to us. And that's why the gospel is always under attack. People are trying to dilute or define it, or make it more acceptable in terms that people will readily respond to. Surprisingly, oftentimes it's good people. Even church attenders and preachers who will deter people from the truth of the gospel in order to present a gospel that they feel somehow becomes more palatable or more acceptable. Or more easily lived out in their life. And so we have to be very careful that we not fall into the trap of trying to define the Gospel by our own terms. Or to water it down, or to modify it, or to manipulate it so that it becomes more easy to live ourselves and more acceptable to us and to others. The second thing is that we must become defenders of the gospel we must protect the truth at any cost listen to what he says in second timothy chapter 4 verses 1 through 5 you can turn there or read along with me listen i solemnly charge you in the presence of god and of christ jesus who is to judge the living and the dead And by His appearing and His kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come, listen to the time He's defining here, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They're not going to listen to the truth of God's Word. They they just won't accept it any longer, he says. And so, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves, now listen to that, they want to build them up, they want to have a bunch of them, teachers in accordance with their own desires, and will turn away their ears from the truth, and will turn aside to myths. But you, be sober... In all things, endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Notice as Paul writes to Timothy what he says. He says, Listen, there is going to come a time that people will no longer endure the truth or the sound foundational doctrine of God's Word. It's too challenging, it's too difficult, it's too hard, it's too uncomfortable, it's too something that they don't want to listen to it any longer. And he says they're not going to endure that doctrine. And in fact, he says here's what they're going to do, they're going to accumulate for themselves. I I like the way he puts that. In other words, there's not just going to be one, there's going to be two or three or four or six or eight or ten different teachers who will teach it for them the way they want it to be taught. Listen, that's too hard, so let's change it. Let's modify Not that it's not the truth. It's just a little bit too challenging of a truth, so let's make it a little bit easier. Not that it's not right, but it's too hard or too difficult or too challenging, and most people won't accept that, even though it's right, so let's modify it and make it a little bit different. Let's make it a little bit easier, a little bit more acceptable to people. And so he says, they're not going to endure sound doctrine any longer. They're going to accumulate for them teachers who will teach it the way they want it to be taught. They're going to change the gospel. That's an attack on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says, we have to be defenders of that gospel. We have to stand for that truth and boldly proclaim that truth so that the world will still hear the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and not be deceived and lured and drawn away by these false teachers. And so then he charges Timothy and listen to the warning he gives him. He says, notice this, he says, be sober. Now what does that mean? It means the fact that that if I'm not sober, what happens? Uh, Well, I'm drunk. If I'm drunk, what happens it means that the alcohol or the chemical that I put in my body, it alters my way of thinking and feeling and my emotions. And so he says, "Don't allow these false teachers to come in and alter your way of thinking and your emotions and the way that you feel and lure you away." He says, "Be sober in all things. Keep control of your mind, keep control of your emotions, keep control of your feelings. And don't let these things lure you or draw you in to a different way of thinking. Notice what he says here, though. He says that these are people who will not endure sound doctrine any longer, which means what? They were listening to sound doctrine. That would indicate to me they were church people. They were believers. They were people who had been receiving the sound doctrine. And he said, but they're not going to listen to it any longer. So, so it's not evil people out in the world. It's not some false, you know, religion. or faith. It's church people. It's people who've been hearing the sound doctrine. They've been sitting under the, the foundational teachings of God's Word. And they say, yeah, I can't quite go with that any longer. It's, it's just a little, you know. And he said, and so then what? He said, so be prepared. Be sober in all things. And then he said this. Endure hardship Why did he say that Well because if we stand for the truth If we defend the gospel truth of God's word The people who don't like sound doctrine Who want to hear it taught the way they want it taught They're not going to like us And if they're going to attack the gospel They're going to attack us If they're going to go after the truth of his word And sound doctrine They're going to come after those who stand for it And so he says, Timothy, be prepared to endure hardship. It's going to come. There are going to be challenges. There are going to be difficulties. There's going to be hardship that's going to come when you stand for the truth of the gospel. Do the work of an evangelist fulfill your ministry. He says, listen, it's a labor. It's not easy or everybody would do it. He said, it's difficult. It's going to be challenging. And he says, what I want you to do is stand firm in the truth. I want you to defend the gospel and understand that people are not going to like that, that people are going to attack it, just and they're going to attack you just like they attack you. Attack and he says, but I want you to keep working. I want you to keep fulfilling the ministry that you've been giving and being faithful because people are not going to want to listen to what you have to say. That's the bottom line. And so we need to understand the importance and the power of, of defending the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, let me ask you for just a moment. I'm not calling anybody or anything out, but does that sound familiar to the world in which we live today? That people want to change it, water it down, manipulate it, modify it, make it a little bit more palatable, a little bit more accepting to everyone, so that what? We can draw the crowds. We want the multitudes, the bigger, the better, the greater, the stronger, right? And he says, listen, understand that we are going to have to stand for the gospel. And there are going to be some hardships and difficulties and challenges because people aren't going to like it. And people aren't going to like it and they're not going to like you. And you're going to have to endure it to fulfill your ministry. So living the Christian life and walking the path of faith can be challenging. But he calls us to be defenders of the gospel. So a few things real quickly this morning. first thing is this, the gospel is attacked frequently. Understand that. It's not just an occasional attack here or there. It happens enough that Paul has warned his readers before and he says to write the same thing again is not a problem. In fact, it's a safeguard for you. In other words, you've heard me talk about this before. I'm going to talk about it again and you'll probably hear me talk about it another time. I'm going to talk about it again and again and again because it is a common thing that you're going to face in your life. We must be prepared to defend the gospel at any time and in every moment because it is continually under attack. It is continually being attacked in different ways from different vantage points all the way back to the passage we read in Acts. You know what happened in that passage um, when he talks about that, that Jesus is the only name by which we must be saved is that, that Peter and John were entering the temple and there was a guy who was there who had been lame since, he, since birth, out of his mother's womb. So it wasn't like this was something that had happened to him and he could heal and be recovered. He's been this way his whole life. And when they go to enter the temple, he's asking for alms and they look at him and say, Hey, look at us. Look right here. We don't have silver and gold. But what we do have is the power of Jesus Christ. And in His name, we say stand up and walk. And the guy stood up and he walked. And he was leaping. He was excited. And so they were preaching the gospel. And the church leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees and the priests, they came and arrested them. And took them and threw them in prison for preaching the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ, His love, His grace, His mercy, and His healing power. And all the way back when the church began, all the way back in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 4, people began... To attack the gospel. They didn't want to hear what was being said. And they wanted to change and modify it. And so they were arrested and they were carried away. We must be careful. That we not allow our defense of the gospel. But become an attack on others or their way of thinking. We have to be very careful about that. He doesn't ask us to attack or discredit others' way of thinking or others' beliefs, he said, all I ask you to do is defend the gospel. And sometimes we get caught up in their tactics and their way of doing things, and we want to attack back. And we want to explain away all the reasons of why what they believe, what they're doing, what they're practicing is wrong and unacceptable to God. But the fact of the matter is, he didn't ask us to do that. In fact, we're going to read passages in just a moment. It's going to tell us if we do that, it's detrimental to the kingdom. But he says, what I do ask you to do is defend the gospel. To stand firm on the gospel truth and not be swayed or lured or led away because it will continually be attacked over and over and over again. And he said, we've got to be ready. Once one attack is over and we defend the gospel, trust me, there's another one coming very soon. Second thing is this. He gives us some images of the attackers. The first image he gives is dogs. Now, here's what I want you to take just a moment and and remove from your mind the idea of present day dogs. (laughs) Because our dogs today are pampered and they're, they're cared for and we bathe them and we paint their nails and we put clothes on them and bows in their hair. That's not the kind of dogs we're talking about. He's talking about dogs that were scavengers in the street. He's talking about dogs that were were scouring around looking for something or someone to devour. They were always ready to attack any time that something presented itself as an opportunity for them to overcome it. They they were were just the the kind of uh, uh, animals that that you know were disgusting. They they were were mean and they were looking for something to consume and to destroy. And he says, Be careful. There are those out there that that's all they're doing is just looking. Who can I attack? What can I attack? What can I destroy? What can I devour? What can I tear apart? He says, Be careful about that. Defend the gospel against those people. And he talks about evil workers. These are malicious schemers. They're not like the, the, the disgusting dogs that seeking something to devour. They want to devour, but they do it a bit differently. They're tricky about it. And they scheme and they plot and they plan. And they undermine. And they spread rumors and they spread lies. And, and, and they begin to try to manipulate. And they want to move things to their own advantage. Whatever can help them to advance or to move forward, to look better in the eyes of others, that's what they want to do. And, and so, so they're in this desire of causing conflict and trouble within the body of Christ. And he says, beware. You have to defend the gospel against them. Don't attack them, but defend the gospel. And then he talks about false circumcision. And the idea here is, is just simply taking the truth and twisting it to, to become legalistic. Taking the truth and manipulating it to have control and that's what they were doing. They were saying, well, if you want to become a Christian, you have to become Jewish first. And so you have to have this circumcision and, and nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, Jesus had died to set all people free. And he had already accepted Gentiles into the family of God. And you didn't have to go through this. But they were making a very legalistic issue. And if you want to become a Christian, you have to become Jewish first. In order to do that, you have to be circumcised. And so they're teaching this. That sounds like sound doctrine, doesn't it? Well, circumcision's always been around since the beginning of time the church and the family of God. That's what they've always done. So there must be some truth to this. See, it was easy to take that truth and bend it and manipulate it to fit their circumstance and situation so that they could become legalistic and have control of the situation. And he says, be careful about people like that you have to defend the gospel against them. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 13 through 16. Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And do not fear their intimidation, and do not be troubled, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Yet, he says, listen to this. He's giving us some instruction here. He says, yet with gentleness and reverence. And keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame important to remember as we defend the gospel that we defend the gospel and the truth of the gospel and we stand firm on it but he says do it with gentleness do it with reverence don't yield to their tactics but be prepared at any moment when someone says why do you believe what you believe to give an answer we have to be ready to defend the gospel, because attacks come all the time. Listen to Second Timothy chapter two, verses fourteen through sixteen. Remind them of these things, and solemnly charge them in the presence of God to to uh, wrangle about words, which is useless and leads to ruin of the hearers. Hear that? He says if they want to start wrangling over words, and 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 you know all these. Well, what about this? And what about that? He says, listen, it just leads to the ruin of hearers. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed. Accurately handling the word of truth. But avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness. Stand firm for the truth. Always present the truth and be ready to give an answer to any man at any time for the hope that is within you. He says, but do it with reverence. Do it with gentleness. Do it with kindness. Don't yield to their tactics. And because he said it just brings devastation to the hearers. It divides people. It separates people. And he says it doesn't lead to righteousness. It leads to further unrighteousness. So the final question this morning is simply this. How do we defend? Three things as we prepare to close. The first one is this. Is that we must know the gospel. And we must know it. And every detail of it, to defend it. Two reasons why. Give an answer for the hope that is within you. I've got to be able to tell people why I believe what I believe. I've got to be able to take them to God's Word and say, this is what God's Word says and this is why I believe it. This is why I stand on this truth. Second thing is, the easiest way to define or to decide or to see or discern a fraud is to know the real If I know the truth and I know what's not true, if I know the real gospel message and I am founded and grounded in the truth of the gospel message of Jesus Christ, then I can identify the fake real easily. He says, so you have to stand firm in the truth of God's Word. And you have to know God's Word and you have to know the gospel and the details of the gospel and make them a part of your life, how you live for Him day by day. The gospel rejects human righteousness. If we read on in Philippians chapter 3 where we began, Paul talks about it's not about the things that we do or our own righteousness. And in fact, he said, if anybody ought to be considered righteous and think that that would save them, he said, it'd be me. And he talks about his heritage and his lineage and who he was and the fact that if there's anybody that's ever obeyed the law and kept the law, nobody's ever done it better than him. And he said, but the gospel rejects human righteousness. It's not about how good I am or how deserving I am or how much I can do for the kingdom of God. He says, what it does embrace is it embraces divine righteousness. And he says, in fact, everything that I am, everything that I have and everything I've ever been, he said, it's just like garbage in relationship to knowing Jesus Christ in relationship to making Him Lord and Master of my life. Listen to these closing words that he shares as he's talking to the church at Philippi about defending the gospel. Although I myself, I'm beginning in verse 4, might have confidence even in the flesh if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh. I far more. And he talks about it. Circumcised on the eighth day. "...of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law a Pharisee, as to zeal a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness which is in the law, found blameless, but whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ." More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness my own. And listen, here's where the transition begins to take place derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. Do you hear Him defining, defending the gospel? It's right here. He says that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering being conformed to His death in order that I may obtain to the resurrection from the dead. He's just defending the gospel. And He's saying, here's how you defend it. You defend it by wholly identifying and understanding what it means when we look at the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then he says this, Not that I have already obtained it, nor have already become perfect, but I press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus' brethren. I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, this is what I do, he says, forgetting what lies behind And reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He said, know the gospel. Know the details of the gospel. Be prepared to give an answer to any man at any time for the hope that is within you. Reject the idea that righteousness has anything to do with me. It's not of the flesh. It's not of human beings. It's not of me. Embrace the truth that all righteousness is divine and comes only when I'm under the blood of Jesus Christ. And he says, if you'll do those three things, you're well on your way to being a defender of the gospel and holding fast to the truth of the message of Jesus Christ. Well, this morning we're going to offer an invitation him And any time we invite you, we invite you to make decisions about your life. Maybe you haven't been the defender that you should be. Maybe you haven't stood firm in the faith as you should. Maybe you you don't know the gospel plan of salvation. Maybe you don't know the gospel as you should. And today you want to make a decision and say, you know what, I want to change that right here, right now. I want to become a student of God's Word. I want to become knowledgeable of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. I want to be prepared to share that with any person anytime they ask me. I want to become a defender of the gospel. Maybe you've never accepted that for the very first time in your life. And today's the day that you say, you know what? I want that gospel. I want that grace and forgiveness and mercy that He offers. I want His forgiveness and I want to walk in His love. Whatever decisions on your heart, won't you come as we stand and as we sing?